Today's lesson will come from John's Gospel, chapter 21. For those of you who like to read along, it's page 989 in your pew Bibles. And we'll read verses 1 through 17. Listen now to the word of the Lord. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, well, we'll go with you. And they went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes for he was naked and he jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. And when they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? more than these. And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter felt hurt because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it's just been a few days since Jesus was crucified and resurrected. Jesus has made two other documented appearances to the disciples, once to Mary Magdalene at the empty tomb, and another to the disciples and Thomas. And the disciples aren't exactly sure what to do with themselves, what to make of this turn of surprising events. Maybe they're still in shock. Maybe they're confused. Maybe they just don't know what to do at this point. 
I can't say that I blame them. Their friend and leader, Jesus, was just teaching and healing and enjoying a meal with them one minute and then was quickly arrested, tried, and crucified. And then he arose from the dead and appeared to them. Now that's a lot to process and work through. And Jesus hasn't yet given them their charge to go and make disciples of all nations. They're in a weird spot. So some of them did what they felt most comfortable doing and what felt right to them. They went fishing. What do you do when life is just a bit too much to process and you feel that life is a little bit out of control? I like to clean the bathroom. Scrubbing one bathroom gives me a sense of order and control. It's a small little space, but it feels good and tidy and orderly when the rest of the world feels a little bit chaotic. Some people exercise, others withdraw, some binge watch shows, eat, drink, shop, sleep, play Candy Crush, gamble, or create. Some of our responses are more healthy than others, and the church can be like that too. When we feel a loss of control, when denominational numbers are declining and budget dollars are tight and debts are looming and congregations are aging and a pandemic clears the sanctuary, we too respond in different ways that are both healthy and unhealthy. Some churches cling to tradition and history with very little room for the new thing that the Spirit might be doing. And others go all in trying to figure out what their next flashy attraction might be. But the disciples went fishing. And Jesus calls to them from the shore, you catching anything? And John recognizes that it's Jesus and says to Peter, it's the Lord. And this is where Peter goes a little berserk. He puts on his clothes. I have some questions about that. And he jumps out of the boat in his clothes and into the water, and he swims 100 yards ashore before leaving the others behind in the boat to deal with the fish. What is up with that, Peter? But if we think back in the story, Peter may be dealing with an additional and personal level of grief and emotion. And he's likely been beating himself up for some of his recent actions. Some of us can be really hard on ourselves. And if you think back on the story in Scripture, whether you know it or not, I'll remind you that just a few days prior, Jesus and his disciples were in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is the garden where they went after the Last Supper, and Jesus was praying, and they came to arrest him. Well, Peter jumped to Jesus' defense and cut off the ear of one of the soldiers. Remember that Peter, the one full of loyalty and protectiveness for Jesus? But then just a few hours later, Peter was hanging around the courtyard, watching and waiting to see what would happen. He was warming himself by the fire. Peter was asked if he was one of Jesus' followers. And Peter said no, denied even knowing Jesus. 
One person even said, hey, didn't I see you in the garden with them? Aren't you the guy that cut off the ear? Nope, not me, don't know him. Not just once, but three times that night, Peter denied even knowing Jesus. And I imagine when Peter heard the cock crow after the third denial, he was filled with regret and he hung his head in shame. What is it in your life that causes shame? We all have it. Shame is very real. Dr. Brene Brown has written several books on it. She's got a podcast and has made a career out of studying shame. You see, shame can close us down and can close us off to growing into who God has created us to be as individuals and as a church. The church also has to deal with its past actions and failures. So I imagine that Peter was a bit relieved to see the resurrected Jesus again after his betrayal. To have denied knowing him and then to know he was killed must have been an extra layer of grief and pain for Peter. He just didn't get a chance to make it right. But you see, that's not how it works with Jesus. We don't make things right with Jesus. Jesus makes things right with us and for us, just like he did with Peter. We, we don't save or heal or forgive ourselves. Jesus is always the actor, and we are the object of his actions. So Peter arrives upon the shore, and he does not hide in his shame but leaps toward the risen Jesus with joy. And Jesus welcomes him and the others to sit down, enjoy a fire and a meal. No cold shoulders, no passive-aggressive comments, no grudges, no scolding, and no I told you so's. And after they have finished breakfast, Jesus turns to Peter. He knows they have some unfinished business. He knows that Peter has failed him and that he is stuck in his regret and shame. Jesus asks him the question, do you love me? How many times does Jesus ask him this question? Yes. And how many times does Peter deny Jesus? Right. Do you love me? It's a simple question. Jesus could have said, I know you're upset with yourself, Peter, and I forgive you. And Peter could have said, hey, Jesus, I messed up. I'm sorry. I got scared. I made a mistake. Peter could have asked for forgiveness. He needed it. But maybe his shame prevented it. Shame can be buried deep and close us down. Peter needed a word of restoration and forgiveness, and Peter is really no different than anyone. At any given moment, there are throngs of people yearning to hear a word of graced forgiveness 
their need of restoration and healing. Peter is every one of us. He had betrayed his Lord, failed to live up to his finest claims for himself. He was in no position to ask for forgiveness, and nor does he in this story. But the forgiveness comes anyway. That's how God's love and grace and forgiveness works. It comes for you, whether you deserve it or not. That's what Easter is all about. We've all got old stuff, regret, shame, pain, and only the hope and grace of resurrection can address it. Jesus will not leave us where we take ourselves. All three times, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes. Jesus replies with, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. You see, not only is Jesus issuing forgiveness and restoration to Peter, he is also entrusting him and calling him forward to make his love known and manifest out in the world. He is charging Peter to share this goodness and wholeness with others. Jesus, the risen Christ, forces Peter to confront his past, but he does not leave him there. He invites him to put his love and faith into action. Jesus does not give up on Peter, but he restores him and sets him on his way forward to grow in grace and spiritual maturity. We are not the worst thing we have ever done, and the worst thing that has ever happened to us does not define us. There is nothing beyond God's grace, Christ's love, healing, or forgiveness. We are beloved just the way we are, then, now, and into the future. You see, Christ forgives and restores each one of us and calls us and sends us out to care for others. A pastor friend of mine described it this way, this quiet acceptance of Peter just as he is, and Jesus simultaneously giving Peter the greatest of all tasks represents what the resurrection is all about. Like this story and in our lives, the power of Jesus is not stunning or flashy. It's not spectacular as the world recognizes it. Instead, it's about the quiet way of Jesus with his people, forgiving, recognizing their limitations, but setting them out to work anyway. I like to read memoirs. That's my book genre of choice. There's something about the true story of someone's life that lures me in. One I have recently finished is I Take My Coffee Black, and it's by Tyler Merritt. You may have heard of him. He had a viral video that was sent out through Jimmy Kimmel's show. The, the video is called Before You Call the Cops. You see, Tyler is a six-foot-two, dreadlocked black man who says he knows what it's like to be stereotyped as threatening, 
but he also knows that proximity to people is one of the ways, proximity to people different from us is one of the ways that we can cure stereotyping and racism. And in his book, he tells hilarious stories from his own life. He talks about his multicultural childhood growing up in Las Vegas, how that did not prepare him for life in the South, and talks about his passion for rap music and Bon Jovi and musical theater. But he also talks about the way Jesus barged into his life and changed him forever. And I'd like to just read you a brief excerpt from his book. Imagine Netflix had a show called, Surprise, Look What You Did. The show would contain footage, somehow obtained, of the 10 worst things you've ever done in your life. Just stitch together footage of you at your absolute worst. Unfortunately, some of our kids might have to deal with that. Sorry, Assad. Now imagine the show premieres for the people in your life that you spend the most time with, your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends, and your family. No, really, I need you to stop for a second. For the sake of this experiment, what is one thing, one of the worst things you've done that you wouldn't want anyone to know about? Got it? Now imagine that moment, and nine others like it, displayed for all to see. What would you feel in that moment? And then what would you do? I think the only reasonable answer would be to literally move away, change your address and cell phone number, quit your job, and hope that you never saw any of those people ever again. The word for that feeling is shame. My girl Brene Brown defines shame as the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Something we've experienced, done, or failed to do makes us unworthy of connection. Now, I'm not trying to be cruel here or drag up past trauma, but when you thought about that one moment, the reason that's so difficult is because of the pain and shame it brings up. I haven't met a person who doesn't hide things from their past, fearing that if someone were to actually find out about that moment, that it would confirm what they've always feared. If someone saw your worst moments, that they would turn and walk away in disgust disappointment, and disapproval. And that's what I believed for a long time. Now, if you want to hear what happened, you'll have to read the book. We don't have time for the whole story. But let's just say he can relate to Peter. And Peter's story is still being talked about 2,000 years later. Tyler basically withdraws from society, most everyone he knows, for about two years. He walks the streets of Nashville, sits on a bench by the water, and listens to a playlist he made over and over. That's where I'll pick up the story. During this time, I took a lot of walks around Percy Priest Reservoir. Each time, I would stop at my bench, and I would sit, and I would think, and I would pray. And sometimes, when the days were really dark, I would call someone. The two people I could trust to call the most were my mom and James. First of all, James is just plain funny. He has the innate ability to just make me laugh. Sometimes in a world that feels bitter and cold, moments of joy can save your life. Sometimes he'd make me laugh so hard people passing by probably wondered if I was sane. But it was more than just laughs. 
there were a number of moments when I questioned if I'd ever come out of this storm, and James would thunder back with his signature line of encouragement, you better remember who you are. Sometimes he'd just leave me a voicemail with that line. It was James saying, look, I know today is a hard day and you feel down and you're fighting shame and feelings of worthlessness, but I need to remind you, you're not defined by this mistake or this failure. You never could be. The deepest part of you is not your mistakes or your failures. When God looks at you, he sees so much deeper than your mistakes into your actual identity, your true worth and value. And those of us who love you can see that part too. So get a better perspective and live that truth out. Friends, Easter is here. Grace means new beginnings, setting us back on square one over and over again if need be so that we can continue our growth in the resurrection life and we can tend to the lambs along the way with us. Amen. seated. Let us join our hearts and minds together in prayer. We praise and thank you, O Lord, that you continually feed and restore us with your word. Grateful for your gifts and mindful for the communion of your saints, we offer 
to you our prayers for all your children. God of compassion, we remember before you the poor and the afflicted, the sick and the dying, prisoners and all who are lonely, victims of war, injustice, and inhumanity, and all others who suffer from whatever their sufferings may be called, we lift them to you silently now. O Lord of Providence, you hold the destiny of the nations in your land. We pray for our country. Inspire the hearts and minds of our leaders that they, together with all our nation, may seek first your kingdom and righteousness so that order and liberty and justice and peace may dwell with your people. God, the creator, we pray for all nations and peoples. Take away the mistrust and lack of understanding that divide your creatures. Increase in us the recognition that we are all your children. Continue to restore and heal us from all the shame and pain and wrongdoing in our lives. Savior God, look upon your church and its struggle upon the earth. Have mercy upon its weakness and bring to an end its unhappy divisions. Scatter our fears. Look also upon the ministry of your church. Increase its courage, strengthen its faith, and inspire its witness to all people, to all ends of the earth. We lift now the particular ministries of this congregation to you, our ministry partners at the Greater Enrichment Program, at Montclair Elementary School, Roof Above, Habitat for Humanity, Rise Against Hunger, and so many others. Author of grace and God of love, send your Holy Spirit's blessing to your beloved children. Keep our hearts and thoughts in Jesus Christ, your Son, who saves us from ourselves many times, and who has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Trusting in the sure promises of Christ and grateful for the Spirit's sustaining power, let us bring our tithes and offerings to God.
Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, from whom comes all that is good, we praise you for your mercies, for your goodness that has created us, your grace that has sustained us, your discipline that has corrected us, your patience that has borne with us, and your love that has redeemed us. Help us to love you and to be thankful for all your gifts by serving you and delighting to do your will. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. A note about our next hymn. We will be singing only verses 1, 4, and 5. Jesus will not leave us where we are. He seeks us out to make things right, to heal us and restore us as often as necessary. So let him. And in gratitude, tend to the sheep among us. And go so, go out and do so, knowing you go with the love of God the Father, the grace of Jesus Christ and the ever-present companionship of the Holy Spirit, now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs> 